Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. We are powered by Synergy IQ. Our mission is to help leaders create world-class businesses where people are safe, valued, inspired, and fulfilled. We can only do this with our amazing community. So thank you for listening. Hey there, Synergizers, and welcome back to another episode of the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, and today on the show, we have a man who is known as the godfather of venture capital here in Australia, co-founder and partner of Blackbird Ventures, Nikki Skavak. Just a quick note, this podcast is brought to you by Synergy IQ, a leading management consulting firm in Australia who specialize in helping leaders in corporate and government organizations navigate their way through the overwhelming complexities of change while it's enhancing their leadership capability. Check them out at synergyiq.com.au. Nikki is co-founder of Blackbird, the venture fund that exists to supercharge the most ambitious founders. Blackbird Ventures is one of the leading venture capital funds in Australia and New Zealand, counting companies such as Canva, Culture Amp, and Safety Culture as part of its portfolio. Nikki co-founded Blackbird in 2012 with an initial $29 million. That initial fund proved to be hugely successful, with the fund selling 40% of Fund One for $100 million. The sale provided a guarantee three times return to all 96 investors who contributed to Fund One, while retaining an interest in the 12 portfolio companies with carrying a value of $6.50 per every $1 invested. On today's show, Nicky and I started the chat hearing about his journey from starting a business with university friend Mike Cannon-Brooks, who you may know as the founder of Atlassian, to all the way of founding Blackbird Ventures and how he became the godfather of venture capital here in Australia. Nicky shared the Blackbird investing philosophy, taking a chance on the hungry, not proven, which means he's more interested in those who are passionate to succeed than those who possibly have already proven themselves. And we also discuss why investing is more psychological than it is data and analytics. On the show, we also talked about what are some of the key qualities that Nikki looks for in entrepreneurs, which leads to their success, the pivotal role that organizational culture plays in startups, what the Australian startup scene looks like over the next five to 10 years, his advice for entrepreneurs to attract investors, his belief that the constant need for personal growth is always required, and what the future looks like for Blackbird Ventures. It was an absolute pleasure talking with Nikki, and I know you're absolutely going to love this chat. If you would like to check out his profile, you can find it at Nikki Skivak, that's N-I-K-I-S-C-E-V-A-K on LinkedIn, and definitely check out the company website at blackbird.vc. Feel free to connect with me too, where you can find me at Daniel Franco on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about some of the other amazing leaders that we've had on the Creating Synergy podcast, then be sure to jump on the website at synergyiq.com.au or check us out at the Creating Synergy podcast on all the podcast outlets. Cheers. So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, and today we have a very, very good man in the name of Nikki Skavak on the show. I did pronounce that correctly, did I? Shavak, uh, although um, Shavak, would not, not okay. be the last um, to, to not pronounce it in that way. Oh, I, I, I did a bit of research, and there was a few people pronouncing it different ways, and I'm like, oh, I can't 
figure out which one to land on. So obviously I missed the boat on that. But I want to start off with a question. Um, well, first and foremost, who is Nikki, and how did you become known as the godfather of venture capital here in Australia? <laughs> um, that's a very uh, uh, mic- mixed compliment. Um, uh, I, I, I'm uh, the uh, so co-founder of um, Blackbird, and uh, we started um, Blackbird exactly a decade ago, and then um, two years before Blackbird founded um, Startmate, which was almost a, a precursor in all of the same philosophy of um, successful technology founders helping the next generation um, investing in. Um, Australians and, and, and Kiwis who are looking to be the best in the world rather than the, the, the best in their local country. Uh, and, um, and, and so have through that journey, um, uh, been, um, fortunate to, to, to meet and invest in incredible founders from, uh, companies like Canva and Culture App and Safety Culture and, um, sort of the list, list goes on. Jindo, um, from Happy Co, which I know was a, uh, he was a previous guest. Um, so, so, the, the the people and the relationships you get to build and um the, the the company stories and successes you get to watch um from this courtside seat is um is the joy of the job oh, it would be amazing um and i've been geeking out at your story uh, as i've been doing the research and obviously from our chats and whatnot but Let's take it back because you've obviously started uh, your own, uh, you know, serial entrepreneur by yourself, right? So you've had your own startups. Let's let's go back to the day that you decided to drop out of uni. And was it, am I correct in saying that you went to uni with the likes of Mike Cannon Brooks and, and from Atlassian? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, uh, that's how we met. Um, uh, I did a university degree called, um, business information technology. So sort of half commerce, half, uh, computer science. But I would say, um, more than that, it was a, a scholarship, uh, course. So you got to, you got paid to go to university. That was the, the, the highest feature that I was attracted to. And even though you only got paid $200 a week, you had to do this work experience that, um, actually made that two hundred dollars a week, five dollars an hour. Um, uh, <laughs> it, that that it, that was the um, that was the attraction, and um, uh, uh, it was you know a whole bunch of people um, uh, applied. I think it was sort of eight or nine hundred people, and for forty scholarships. And so um, uh, that's uh, in the same cohort was um, uh, Mike and also Scott Farquhar and um, many of the initial Atlassian employees and many other entrepreneurs. Um, that that did great things went on to do great things uh rami weiss who's the uh founder and ceo of healthshare and um mm-hmm. uh matt dickinson um a successful entrepreneur who sold um uh, a number of marketing companies to the photon group and joe stepniewski um it, all of these great sort of um people and the course actually had nothing to do with entrepreneurship and nothing to do with um technology startups it was it was framed in a sort of like helper corporate with their IT systems, um, uh, a sort of endpoint to the journey versus, um, you know, create global technology companies um, from, from Australia. Um, so Mike and I uh, were uh, good mates and um, uh, roommates, in fact, and, and we started uh, the Bookmark Box, which back in 1998 um, was an online service similar to the idea of Hotmail, which allowed people to access the email from any Back then, you had different computers of like your work computer, your home computer, your 
um, computer that you used at university and, and, and so on. And you had all these different systems and email was local to the computer. So there was nothing, um, that no concept of the cloud. And so, uh, we were, uh, applying a similar, uh, sort of concept to people's managing of their bookmarks and information. And, um, that actually took us into an interesting sort of, um, journey where, uh, because back then, uh, Google was just getting started. Web spam was a, uh, a real problem. Like if you just put online casino in your title of your webpage, you ranked for online casino, um, oh, in wow. all of the other search engines. And so there was sort of this trust breakdown of search engines. And, and we had, um, uh, I think we had 50,000 users and 8 million bookmarks. And so we had this great sort of signal to say, this, this is a website that, um, should be trusted or this is a web, uh, this, whatever that is on that page can be um, a great signal for, you know, being a high quality page because someone has taken the, the time to bookmark it and to um, add their sort of description of it. And so it turned into almost um, at the end, uh, uh, this idea of forming a, a sort of high, high trust, high quality search engine um, based on these sort of signals of people um, uh, saying this, this was a, this was a high quality uh, page. We raised like mm-hmm. a little bit of money from, um, like my uncle and his dad and, you know, yeah. uh, one other person and, um, set off on this entrepreneurial journey. We didn't drop out of university from a, um, th- that sounds very, uh, theatrical and dramatic. Yeah. Um, we yeah. sort of shifted to part time. So we we're doing uni at night and we we're okay. doing, um, the bookmark box during the, the day. And, but I would say that the, all of my learning, um, came via starting, uh, the bookmark box, not through the university lectures yeah. and, and, and tutorials and, also, I think, um, uh, you know, Mike and I used to like run to the newsagent every month. Um, uh, back in 1998, there were these flagship publications of like the Red Herring and Business 2.0. And, um, we'd like, uh, they used to be like the sizes of, um, you know, three, 400 pages every couple of weeks. And we'd like, um, run to the newsagent, pay $20 for a magazine back then, which was huge. Um, and for our budgets, huge. Um, and, and, and sort of devour everything about startups and technology and, um, uh, the, the business of, 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 of creating technology. And, um, that, that was the hint that, um, well, that was really the trigger to say, this is what I want to do with my life. This is what mm. I, um, the, the kind of industry and the kind of people that I want to, um, spend my, um, uh, time with. So I think that, that, um, uh, that, that was the, the benefit of the first startup. It was, um, like a tiny, moderate, financial success it was a, yeah. a tiny moderate um uh, i think product success as i said we built the the, the company to 50,000 users and 8 million bookmarks and had great retention and customer happiness and, and and so you know those basics of um business and 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 those basics of um company building but it was still very much like a l plater um experience yeah. and you know mike's only founded two companies in his life and you probably wanted to have found it last year, not the, the, the bookmark box. Yeah. If you're going to pick yeah. one of those, um, <laughs> one of those two, but, um, uh, you know, he, I've learned so much from him, um, uh, both as, uh, personally as a friend, um, and in life and, um, uh, obviously the journey of Atlassian and, and, and the business decisions and the business instincts that they, uh, built up and the whole journey of the company is, um, a, a, again, another, degree in, in, in shaping my thoughts on, on the world of business and the world of technology. And, um, I then, um, moved to New York, uh, uh, and, and, and ended up starting another company again, sort of like moderate to low success. Uh, so not, mm-hmm. not, not successful as a founder in the, the, the venture sense. Um, I should also say that even at university, I was super interested in investing and, um, more than that sort of, um, uh, 
pulling apart how a business works and mm -hmm. um, then the psychology of investing and, and how people get too sad during down markets to, you know, too excited and um, uh, uh, during up, up, upswings in markets and, and sort of uh, training your emotions, training your brain um, to react in the, in the, in the right way to um, these kinds of um, uh, uh, market swings um, uh, that I've always found fascinating. And so Charlie Munger, um, Warren Buffett, all of, uh, I used to read like all of the, the, the hedge fund letters that got published on the internet, um, which are a great sort of insight into the minds of some of the world's, um, best investors. And, um, yeah. uh, uh, I've always been very interested in that. So that, that even from a non-technology point of view, just from an investing, investing, uh, philosophy. And I think, um, as I went through my career, I realized, um, I probably not uh, I'm not I'm not a great operator. I'm not a great um, uh, founder in the sense um, of 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 that. But I I love I love the creation of businesses. I love the philosophy of investing. And so I think when it really came together um, uh, in those first few years of Startmate to know that this was my calling, this is what I would love to do with my life. Um, and then uh, forming Blackbird to do it in a you know, Startmate was still a, a part time endeavor for a couple months of the year. Um, and then to do it in a full-time way and, um, through Blackbird and teaming up with, uh, Rick and, 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 and Bill Barty, uh, to, to form Blackbird, uh, that, that, uh, that was when it all came together, I think, um, uh, for me in, in, in my career. And, and Blackbird has been, uh, a thousand times more successful than, than anything I've ever done, uh, in, in my life, um, outside of it. That's amazing there. And a really great story. And, um, the, there's so much to unpack in that. I think you can you can be the claim to fame to uh, Mike Cannon Brooks's uh, success. <laughs> you you taught him everything had a um, early on in his piece, and but no doubt your success has just gone through the through the roof as well. And given where Blackbird is going, I mean, kudos to you. I'm really interested in the early part though. In just at this point in breaking down, I mean, you've you've described yourself as a curious person, right? To and and in my head, we're uh, we're all born curious, right? So the, you know the the kids that stick their finger in the PowerPoint, right? We're all always uh, curious by nature, and then naturally. And you talked about behaviour and psychology. Naturally, I believe you know parenting and environment and things like that sort of put a put a dampener on um, on someone's curiosity and their ability to continue continue being curious. What was it about the startup world? Um, that you were so curious about like what was it the, and what does the behavior of curiosity look like when you're going through that process early on in your career mm. well i think um startups and investing um it, it's this curiosity wonderland it's like uh mm. not limited in any way um and uh the even you know i i had uh, first got the internet um, in sort of the early nineties. I think I was like year seven or eight at high school. Um, um, you had to, you know, it was like the, the sort of 2400 board modems. Um, if you remember um, yeah. back in those yeah. days and it was text based, not even Netscape um, uh, or Netscape just arriving um, at, at that point in time. And I just think the internet um, allowed if you had the desire and the curiosity, you could learn about anything. I mean, I think YouTube is the ultimate university of knowledge. It's just um, there's so much on there you have to kind of know what to look for or, or yeah. have the motivation to to look for it. Um, I think um, startups, uh, 
again, it's this environment where you just learn so much so quickly. As I said, like the, the, the amount I learned uh, through the bookmark box in that, you know, 18 month period was um, probably 10 times as much as I learned in a, in the university degree, which again is sort of this regulated, um, they dose out the learning. Um, and then, yeah. you know, as you go into corporate um, structured environments of like bigger companies that have this uh, sort of structured pathway for your career and structured steps along the ladder and, and, you know, micro dose the, the knowledge out at each different step and you can't get ahead of yourself and um, it all runs at um, the, the same pace versus this sort of wide open land of um, <clears throat> startups where if you don't do anything, nothing will happen. And um, uh, also I think in those environments, uh, what you do, you get this visceral um, uh, sort of response of what the customer thinks and what they do. And that there's like, you do something and you see the reaction. There's like the direct connection versus I think there's uh, in, a, in a larger corporate environment, um, there's a feeling of like you are a cog in the wheel, you're disconnected from the end user, you don't really get that same uh, sort of oxygen of, of did it actually work or, or not work or did they love it or did they not love it. Um, and so I think startups are this um, huge opportunity to, 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 again, like redline your learning and to um, the, the, the pace of, of of learning and where you point the uh, what you want to learn, um, it's just ultimate opportunity. I think um, also with um, investing, um, it, it's a pursuit that has such nuance and everyone sort of appreciates the basics, but they're so hard to get right and they're so hard to exactly calibrate and exactly sort of um, know um, what to um, how to weight a piece of information versus mm. how to just you know whether you should discard it or not. It's like this. The more you go in, um, the more intriguing it, it sort of um, becomes in 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 mastering the 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 the, the craft of investing. And so, I think um, being curious, uh, you're naturally, I think, going to be um, uh, sort of sad in those environments that regulate and microdose yeah. the the learning versus like these kind of like powerful. let 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 you go wild. Um, uh, kind of uh, uh so. Technology, uh, so startup investing, I think combined, um, you know, who I was. And, and again, it's this wide open, um, field of, uh, uh, opportunity to learn, um, at, at, you know, high pace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I echo your comments wholeheartedly. I have my own, I don't know if you call it a startup anymore, but probably if anything in a scale up phase. Um, I'm not in tech though. So I'm one of those uh, who went into the services as well grown the business from you know zero for two people to to uh, 20 odd people but the um the the last four years of this of, of my life in this business uh, the learnings that have come out of running your own business and have preceded the 20 years of business that I was involved before that like it the the learnings are astronomical because there's no other option but to learn and I think that's the beauty of of the startup, if you, you know, if success is what you're after and you've got a good purpose and good mission and some good vision in, in, in mind, then, um, the idea of, of, uh, of not succeeding, um, you know, you have to, you have no other option but to learn. So, um, really interesting point. As, uh, as we, as we grow and, um, as you're growing through your career and you've had a couple of those, uh, early ventures and, um, why just going back to your original point why didn't you keep on working with uh with 
Mike Kennan Brooks in in the Atlassian world? Is that an opportunity that went missing, or uh, was it something you both because you went over to New York, you just went both separate ways, or yeah, what what happened in that regard? Yeah, uh, I, obviously from a, uh, a financial opportunity would have been a, yeah. a legendary decision to to, <laughs> to join him um, at Atlassian, but I think from a personal point of view, um, the the sort of developer um, ecosystem and, and, and products related to, um, uh, uh, technical teams that, that, you know, that wasn't, I, I think my calling and my passion. It certainly is, um, Mike's passion and, and, and Scott's passion. And so I think, um, from the point of view of, uh, uh, uh as an industry, um, I, I would say my interests, um, uh, lay elsewhere. Obviously, if I, uh, the, the the learning journey I um uh of Atlassian and the the great success and the multiple moments of sort of reinvention of the company those those are all um uh an incredible um uh you know I think you know up there in the top stories of of yeah. of, of Australian uh, business history I mean we're still really awesome mates um uh, we actually moved to New York together um, Mike moved across to start the first um, uh, American office of of Atlassian and um, so it wasn't so much to do with that um, side of thing as I said I got to follow from a courtside seat point of view yeah. um, the evolution of the company and and how it looked at different stages and and some of the key decisions that they got to make um, I have lots of awesome friends who were part of the early employee um, journey of, mm. of Atlassian and so I felt um, like I, um, uh, I, I got to enjoy the, 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 the success of, of Atlassian through, um, those personal relationships. Um, but I think, um, obviously it would have been a, a lucrative financial decision, but I think, um, ultimately the calling, um, and, 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 you know, it, it took uh, a few years for that realization to set in. But I think that, that, that role of investing and that pursuit of, uh, investing greatness, that, that, that's the, that's the interesting fuel that, um, will keep me going uh, for decades and is, is, is my life's work, not um, building um, uh, a company like Atlassian, even, yeah. even though it is you know, probably the best um, business story in, in Australian history. No, I love it. Um, you stick to your purpose. I mean, that's, that, that in its own right is what makes you successful, right? You, you do what you love. Um, but before we jump into the investment side of things and, and the investment into Canva and CultureAmp and all the above, I, 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 I pre, you mentioned Jindo. So Jindo Lee's been on the podcast. You um, and I know you've been involved with him from an investment point of view. His uh, his podcast that we did is probably one of the most in depth yet light hearted podcasts that we've ever had. Like his personality is is next level, and I absolutely love him to bits. And I flicked him an email saying, oh, Nikki's uh, agreed to come on the show. Give me some goss. <laughs> and, um, and he, and, and, you know, in Jin, true Jindo style, he wrote back three, you know, one sentence, um, straight to the point. His response was, ask him about heartbreak hotels and the dangers of investing in fairy cakes. So can you, um, <laughs> can you elaborate on what that means? Cause I've got no idea. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave the the heartbreak uh, hotel uh, okay. one, one okay. for a, for another day. Um, All right. Um, on the fairy early in the morning one, for that um, one, is it? <laughs> <laughs> on the fairy gate one, I would say um, that that's a reference to. Um, I would get, I would say that uh, a, a very sort of strong theme through my life is. Um, taking a chance on the hungry, not the proven. Um, mm. And this idea of the decorated person um, uh, being the most qualified person is just not 
not not how the world works. If you look at um, how all of the best companies in the world um, and and who started them, they're actually like these super unqualified, hungry people. Like you know, Microsoft didn't finish university, Google just finished university. Um, the 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 sort of notion of like if you follow this career ladder, if you follow, you collect all these. Like I went, I worked at Google, then I worked at um, BCG, and then I worked at blah blah blah. It's like these yeah. these sort of logo collectors of um, uh, uh, people that get trapped in this competitive system. And um, uh, I think the world that they are smart people, but the world overvalues and overfavors um, that 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 segment of the population versus the. I think the 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 people who are the most interesting and the most um uh that my kind of people are the hungry unqualified do not have that resume trail um and uh and I think you know as you get into the uh you know like Google and all of the the, the benefits and the the cafeteria and the you know massage and the it's sort of mm. you get you get these kind of um uh, fat and happy cows um, that are that are that are massaged each day and 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 sort of they don't have that same hunger as the um, uh, you know the person who came from nothing and um, uh, has this underlying fire or this uh, uh, this inner mongrel I think um, uh, of, yeah. of 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 just getting it done and not complaining and achieving and and, and just this high bar of uh, self being self critical and high standards and like that, 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 that kind of person. So I think the fairy cake, uh, reference <laughs> is in the, um, uh, oh, I went to Stanford and then I was an associate product manager at Google and now I'm doing a startup and, you know, I won't yeah. leave, um, until I have my seed round locked in and I need all of this, uh, uh, money to pay myself and, you know, and th th there's yeah. none of that sort of hunger and none of that, um, uh, kind of, uh, uh inner drive or inner fire, um, as you get from, from a different type of founder. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that sort of echoes the the quote, the Steve Jobs quote, right? You know, here are the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the, you know, yep, it's yep. The, those who are crazy to change the world are generally the ones that do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love that approach. I am curious, though, because that is a, a quote that, you know, it's on, it's plastered all over the website and you've um, been quoted a few times, you know, take a chance on the hungry, not proven. What is... Um, in a world of, of formula, right? We live in a world of formula and data and, and, you know, and you mentioned Charlie Munger before and we'll, we'll deep dive into him a bit later, but, um, you, you know, the idea of building a business, we know there is some foundational, uh, things that need, you, you need to know, right? Which is, you know, finance, sales, marketing, whatever it might be. These are some of the finance, um, foundational things. So is it those who are proven in startup? You know, I, I know a few people who have created startups. They've built, they sold the first one for say 50 million and they went on and sold the next one for a hundred million. And then they, so, so they have this proven model. Um, is that not of interest to you or is it, are you looking for those unicorns and those completely different type of thinking? You know, something that uh, most people don't believe in, right? You know, mm. they, you have a lot more naysayers in those sort of uh, earlier, in those early phases. Certainly open to anyone. So, you know, yeah. we have invested yeah. in repeat founders and, and it's not yeah. to say that the experiences of a, uh, of a journey that ended up, um, and particularly I think, um, journeys where they succeeded in a really hard business. Um, like, you know, mm -hmm. we've invested in folks that, um, 
did like a, a web agency kind of business. And then um, it, it's like a really hard business to make work. Like when the, the times are good, you try to hire these people to satisfy the customer demands that you have. And then times are bad, you have to reduce the team. And, and, and it's always this um, uh, sort of uh, uh, treadmill of, 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 of toughness in, in running a um, uh, like a, web agency as, mm. as one example. And if people succeed in that, they, they can certainly succeed in a product business where you have recurring revenue and your customers um, give you more money next year than they gave you this year um, as they add more people on their side. And it's just this beautiful, um, uh, 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 luxurious business um, that, that is, is um, grows so easily and effortlessly compared to um, the, the sort of treadmill type business. And so, um, uh, particularly in that, like where people have gone through this crucible of like building a tough business and being, and succeeding in some way, uh, doing that, that, that's, that's a really super high signal of, um, mm. uh, when they do a product business. Um, I think it's, it's more, um, like people think, oh, how do I create a business? And you mentioned you need to know sales and marketing and finance. And, um, I, I, I would, I would challenge that, um, uh, in, in, in sort of, well, at least reframe it. From a, you don't need to know it at the beginning. Um, yeah, you need right. to know it in, eventually. Um, yeah. uh, but in a sequence of events, the most important thing is that you have this connection to the problem, this sense of um, this. This is what your this is your life's work, and 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 this mm. unique belief that um, uh, uh, you you uh, feel like the world should work in a different way, or the an industry should work in a different way. You have this special insight and this special fire within you um around the 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 problem and um you know the example of um mel from canva who you know she taught graphic design um at university um her and cliff had created this uh high school yearbooks business which is um selling sort of to to schools where teachers and parents and kids would you know collaborate to 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 produce a yearbook that they would then print out and the 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 kids and parents would pay for and um it was a it was a uh, almost like a, a tougher, rougher version of, um, and smaller version of, um, Canva, but in, in building, um, fusion books, they had developed all of these foundational insights into what a general purpose graphic design platform that gave anyone the ability to create, um, this, this beautiful and, and, and great, um, uh, design, um, to everything that they did, um, that, that, that was formed in the insights of that, um, uh, experience of, of, of future books and then just teaching people graphic design in general in the university um, mm -hmm. setting. And so I think it's, it's this opinion and how that opinion is formed, the connection between the person and the, the problem or the person in the industry, um, their sort of journey and, and why they've um, become obsessed um, with the problem and that, that connection between them and the, um, them and the industry. That's, that's really the thing to, um, uh, to examine. Um, and then, uh, as I said, I think there's two steps. There's build a great product and then build a great company. Build a great product involves all of those insights into um, what the product should be and what the product should not be. I think, mm -hmm. you know, the, the oftentimes it's what not to include or what to um, uh, delete from the offering that, that is um, the magical um, insight. And then if you have something and people love it and they love using it and they love, they refer it to their friends and they pay and they don't complain about the price, they say yes quickly and, once, once you have that, you have, that's the really the oxygen for creating a company. Unless you have that happy customers, um, uh, uh, foundation, then, um, it's no point in building a great company because, um, uh, you know, the, the step one is, is happy repeat customers. Um, yeah. then, um, as you build a great company, then you need to become great 
at <clears throat> all of these um, uh, other, uh, uh, you know, how are you going to acquire um, customers at scale and, and design the product such that, you know, uh, it, it encourages um, uh, uh, the, the, the product to be shared and, and, and discovered by um, new people and, and, and so on. How do you create all of the, uh, uh, how do you create a great environment that attracts the best people to come and work for your company? How do you um, create great hiring processes that um, have a great experience in, in identifying um, who's a good person, who's a bad person? How do you yeah. create all the systems and the structures to allow, to allow those people to do their best work once they join you? How do you constantly redesign the organization as you hit 20 people, as you hit 50 people, as you hit 150 people? Mm. How do you um, create a great culture that, um, uh, you know, once no one knows you and once you can't speak to people one-on-one, um, uh, culture is really the sort of um, uh, uh, kind of lever in which um, all of your beliefs are passed on to um, uh, those new members of the team and um, uh, and, and, and kind of what is um, uh, 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 a sort of way to act or a way to make a decision or a way to um, uh, 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 sort of um, – be in the company versus versus um, elsewhere. So um, all of those things, um, you know, it's an unlikely journey. It's an unlikely um, path from founder to great CEO. Um, but you know, in in the very best cases, in the very um, best outliers, people have that product magic, and then they also uh, then um, uh, develop and learn and go on that journey to to have that build a company magic or or that um, great CEO magic um, that's developed over time. Yeah, I love it. And everything you're saying there is uh, is ringing true to me. The, the work that we, we are involved in is helping customers uh, or our, our customer base through change and large-scale change, whether that be cultural change, whether it be understanding their purpose and vision and getting them back on track with their strategy, why they're actually here. So, um, you know, and then and then not, not to mention the workforce. We do a lot of work in that space. How do we design for the workforce of the future and where we're going? And um so really, really interesting space. And, um, yeah, I, I love everything that you just said then. I want to, um, you, you obviously mentioned Canberra and we can't go uh, into a conversation with you and, and obviously the, the success given the, the, the ridiculous unicorn that it is. Um, you, you mentioned Mel and, and Cliff and, and also there's Cameron as well, uh, who by in their own right have created not only an amazing company that's you know turned into this sort of forty billion dollar valuation, but it's they're they're world leading in in the ways that they're thinking. I saw Cameron speak recently in an event where um, he was talking about the, the stuff they're doing from an ESG level. So they're leading on all fronts, right? Which is was amazing. But what what's really interesting for me is I want to go back to the first conversation that you had with these guys and what what did you see in them and and what did it look like and how does uh, how does the investment process work for someone like a Canva and how did like just the early the early stage stories are, I think of real interest. Yes, so my um, fellow uh, co-founder Rick met um, Mel and Cliff while they were still in in WA and had yet to move across to to Sydney and um, also met them before Blackbird um, technically existed. We were sort of out raising our first fund, and, but we hadn't closed the, the, the capital um, as yet. And so uh, we met Canva um, uh, before the fund was ready and they, they actually left their seed round open for us to uh, close the fund and, and sort of complete the, um, the investment in them. And in many ways, um, Blackbird and Canva have been built in, in, in parallel um, uh, 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 
along the same sort of timelines. Um, the, it, it was just very, very clear. Um, as, as I said, that this was their life's work. Um, I, I say, uh, uh, I'm probably more weighted. People are like, Oh, it's all to do with the founder, um, uh, versus say the market or the, 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 the idea or whatever it might be. I'm probably more weighted to, um, the idea as being the most powerful, um, uh, uh, aspect. You need everything. You need, you know, uh, everything to be great. Um, it's not an either or question, but I, but I would, I, I do place high value in, in, in great ideas. And I think Canva is such a, a wonderful example, um, of at the very beginning, having deeply thought through, um, the problem, the industry, the idea. And I think the definition of a good idea is like not, you know, you say the idea and it's the first sentence. Um, it's where does it go from there? So in the second meeting and the third meeting, as you delve deeper and deeper, do you get more and more excited? Does the idea, um, uh, get, get better and better as you go deeper and deeper? Usually ideas, um, it sounds fine in the first sentence or, or everything sounds okay in the first sentence, but, um, most, uh, ideas are this sort of facade where, um, you hear the first sentence and then as soon as you start talking about it, it's very clear that there's, there's no depth or there's nothing behind, oh, yeah. um, the initial statement versus the great ideas, um, uh, sort of grow in excitement and grow in detail and grow as you go deeper and deeper, just how clearly, um, it is that the founders have, um, thought about, um, uh, the, 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 these like small details that have such a strong opinion and um, why they made the decision and what they're going to leave. Like it, it's just the, the joy is in um, uh, as that gets more and more exciting. And I think Canva is the prototypical example of um, uh, at the very beginning, there was such a clear uh, a thought about a very, very long product roadmap, a very, very detailed um, opinion into how um, uh, the world should work differently. Why, you know, one percent of people go to university, become a designer. They are they join a, a job as a designer in your title. They spend tens of thousands of dollars on software and computers and uh, to be a designer. And it's sort of restricted just to that small fraction of an audience of people to do great design. And um, versus all of the ninety nine point nine percent of people um, who don't have designer in their title. Um, but is there a sort of an effort, effortless way where they don't need to go through that education uh, process? They um, uh, have this powerful uh, uh, way to create graphic design, a beautiful graphic design themselves. Um, mm. You know, the, the insight. And again, I, the, the, the spike for me um, in the early days was just how fresh, how unique, how detailed, how wonderfully long dated um the idea of Canva uh, and what they would do um, uh, was, and I would say, even looking back, people sort of like, like usually like to say, oh, we tried A and then we completely did a 180 turn and did B and had to pivot and throw out this. And I would say Canva, you could look back at that first seed round deck. I think it's even published on the internet. Um, it's so remarkable how uh, 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 the, the the sort of journey has been exactly um, what they uh, had hoped it to be. And, um, uh, even that first, um, slide deck standing up to the first decade and even what they're still working on, um, uh, becoming, uh, at Canva. So I think that, that to me, um, is, is sort of the, the, the testament to, um, you know, what a wonderfully high quality idea, um, uh, they had at the, at the very beginning. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And what, what is that, um, when you uh, 
so Blackbird, and, and, you, and you mentioned it hadn't started, but obviously it grew into, and you, you were securing the first round of funding and, and whatnot. What when you did invest, and then you start, um, so you, you're obviously investing in these remarkable human beings with um, with a remarkable idea and a very very clear plan. What um, what happens from there? What, where, do, where does it go? And, and what is your input ha- uh, in, in regards to helping them grow uh, and helping them, you know, obviously money's one thing and, 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 and paved the way, but I mean, experience and knowledge is also another um, key aspect to anyone's growth. Is that, is that what you were offering in those early days as well? I, I, I would, um, like also that that's probably the you know every investor says oh we're not yeah. just money we're value add um yeah. like there it's not to understate the role uh, of an investor is to get the best people the money in a very straightforward way um and mm-hmm. to um i would say even beyond the money it's it's this belief um you know you mm-hmm. you subscribe to someone's vision um you're not there to educate them you're not there to tell them what to do you're not there to disagree and sort of say you know i would do it this way um and therefore you should do it that way um that that is that is that is not what um an investor in my mind is there to do an investor in my mind is to there to believe in um the people believe in the vision believe in the um uh, the company's mission and do everything they can to in service of of the founder in service of the mission in service of the the vision of the company and so um, I, I think it's this sort of uplifting belief in, in, in all of those things. That's the role of the investor. You can help, um, uh, again, you know, the, just the, uh, obviously the, the capital is the most important thing. And if something is working, um, to be able to, uh, again, direct this, uh, pool of capital, which mainly is the superannuation system of, of Australia that, um, are part of the, 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 the funds that we, um, uh, form. And direct that to the most worthy of missions and the most worthy of founders. Um, uh, it's not. Don't underestimate that. That that's that's yeah. the job, and 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 that's the the key in in, in getting that um, absolutely right and having an opinion on um, who who are the worthy um, uh, missions and who are the worthy founders. And 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 again, that that's so important. And um, but um, I think it's to it's to it's to go with that tide of here is the vision, here is the the, the mission, and do everything you can. Help them hire, help them build the team, help them uh, uh, help be a network switch um, to say that once you come up against this fork in the road or once you come up against this problem, go and speak to this other founder um, who has just gone through that experience or um, who, who uh, um, uh, had uh, a decision to make around that. And so um, also not to view ourselves as the expert um, and to view ourselves as the switch in the network. Founders are the best people to help other founders. Founders at exactly the same stage or one step ahead. So it's not even to say that, um, you know, whatever seed stage startup, it, it, it's, it's less useful for them to go to uh, Mike and Scott at Lassian than it is to go to uh, another company that um, is, has experienced just that problem in the last six months. Um, and, and there's so much uh, of decision-making and of uh, knowledge, startup knowledge that is perishable um, and is dependent on today's hiring market or today's environment or today's, you know, available solutions. Um, and so, um, viewing ourselves as that sort of community. And I think community is at the heart of, uh, Blackbird and, and, um, uh, being a network switch into that community. I think that's the way in which we, um, uh, we can help people, um, the most. But 
uh, don't underestimate um, uh, just the power of, um, again, wholly believing in someone um, and uh, getting getting the money to the right people and the right missions. Yeah. Um, that that that's that that's what we're here to do. Oh, and that's where the hunger comes from, right? That's what, you know you're giving to those people who are hungry, and and you know that the money that you're uh, that you're providing them will be able to help them realize their vision and change the world. And obviously, then you reap the benefits of of, of that investment. Um, you know, we, we, you, you mentioned Charlie Munger before, and as you can see over my shoulder, and I know it's one of your favorite books is the poor Charlie's Al- almanac. And, and it is also one of mine. Um, he, uh, he has uh, been on this pursuit on, on, and I think you alluded to it before on how to understand what makes a business high quality, right? And, and no doubt that you're on the same trajectory. You, you're, you're trying to understand the same thing, which is probably why you, you love this pursuit so much. In your experience, and, and given the fact that there are these companies that are providing you and you're able to, um, to raise capital and they're, they're giving, they're giving it to you guys at Blackbird. Uh, on the knowledge, on the basis of your knowledge of what makes a good startup, right? So they're, they're believing in your skill set there. In your experience, what is and what qualities do you believe to be paramount in success for, for any startup? And I know that we've, we've talked about the purpose and vision, but is there anything outside of that that you believe is critical and fundamental? Mm. I, I, product. And, and I would yeah. say we are product investors, um, and and product really is the only durable um, advantage. Um, you you can grow quickly in the beginning uh, through sales and marketing, but it's sort of this sugar dynamic of like um, you you kind of get to a stage where more sugar doesn't make it sweeter. Um, and product is this foundation, um, and and, ex, and ex, as I mentioned, that um, product roadmap, and even. Um, I would say the expanding product roadmap. So as they go down a path and they discover all of this information about the market and customers um, and re-raise their ambitions around um, uh, reshaping their future product roadmap, that's the thing to understand deeply. And and, and um, uh, uh, that is the only um, uh, sort of uh, determinant of, of, of whether you know something can compound for decades rather than compound for years. Um, I would also say that... Um, just product love or customer happiness. Um, again, the, that if you have that, you have a business. People used to um, be really nervous and really worried. They'd be like, oh, my God, I'm not sure Facebook's going to make money. Um, or I'm not sure Twitter's going to make money because they have eyeballs and um, those people use it every day. But, you know, how are they ever going to make money? But if you look at every single, you know, in that in that example, every single platform that has super high daily engagement and super high customer love and, and, and zero revenue, there is a hundred percent conversion from that state to multi-billion dollars of revenue. And in the case of Google and Facebook, hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue. And so I think people uh, are like, I can't see how it makes money. Um, even though they've got hundreds of millions of people who use it every day and love it. Um, I, I think, uh, again, you're just looking for, do people truly um, like it's it, like, are obsessed by the product or whose lives have been transformed or working lives transformed or um, off the charts kind of positive around about the product. That is like the forward predictor um, mm. of success. If you have that, you'll be successful a hundred percent of the time. And um, again, it's like forming an opinion on is that, is that true product love? Is that true 
customer happiness. Um, that there's like there's signals and, and and metrics that can 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 give you a hint as to um, the truth or not of the matter. Um, you know, in in software businesses, you see um, super low churn, or you see customers upgrading, or you see um, this sort of behavior of uh, uh, like um, uh, everything. You know, if you have recurring revenue, if you have no one churning, if you have the same customers paying you more and more, um, like Snowflake is the is the best example of this business. If they didn't sign a new customer, they'd still grow seventy percent plus per year because seven like every single existing customer is paying them seventy percent more the year after um, in their uh, uh, sort of data warehousing product. Mm-hmm. And so you look for these hints at um, no one churning, high upgrade revenue if it's a SaaS company and um, uh, so on and so forth, as well as just the product. Like a great example of uh, in safety cultures case. It, had zero revenue when we um, first invested. Um, however, uh, the average user, which was a free user, the average user was using it 18 times a month, I think it was, and there's 20 working days in the month. And this was a product used by airport workers and um, construction sites and um, uh, uh, these industries that, um, again, don't typically show um, this, this kind of universal uh, sort of product kind of uh, engagement um, mm. and it was so clear in the case of safety culture and again that that if you have that you have a company eventually you have a hundred percent conversion from that to awesome business um, from a revenue and so on point of view and so um, I, I think you have to understand products and you have to um, understand customer happiness and if you can do that um, I think you'll be a very good um, uh, early stage kind of startup investor. Startup, yeah. So on the flip side, though, there, there's going to be some things that stop businesses from moving forward, right? And, and, and you know, product is is one thing, but then it's sort of application and behavior and, and the ability to execute on strategy and, and whatnot for, for, the, for the founders, right? Um, is it frustrating for you when you see a really amazing product, but the founders just don't have what it takes to, to, to move it forward? Yeah, I mean, look, that I would not not frustrating. I'd say sad, sadness, mm. um, uh, because it is typically the case. The average result is absolutely that. Um, mm. uh, I would say the average result is that the what they're building, no one cares about. That that's probably mm. number one. Uh, number two would be um, the founders end up hating each other. Um, yeah, and, and it's it's not a not not any more complicated than that. Um, it, it's such a crucible um, experience um, of founding a company together you have very little money you have this high pressure you have this i'm running into a brick wall feeling um you have everything against you you have unless you do something nothing gets done um every everyone has this apathy and you have to like generate you know momentum or generate energy um so it's this very very testing environment and so it's not um unsurprising that um you know people who are sort of in the trenches with each other will end up, you know, not liking each other after that yeah. experience. Um, but that, that you know, that that would be the, the, the case. Um, there's also, you know, maybe even another case where you have sort of like a successful um, product or idea, but um, the sort of company collapses. They build a great product, but they don't build a great company and um, mm. they hire really bad people. Those people hate each other or they hate the founders. They leave. The good people leave. The bad people stay. Um, you know, there's certainly um, stories um, – in that regard. Um, but even that, like these, 
these sort of wonderful ideas are so resilient. Like you look at, read the founding book of Twitter, like basically every founder um, was fired or left or um, uh, huge employee turnover in the beginning, um, uh, you know, service couldn't even be kept up and, 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 and live. Um, no idea about revenue until, you know, years after a normal company would have had an idea about revenue. Um, it's almost like they, they, they were a test case in, in sort of like, how can we try to screw it up? And yet you still have, um, uh, a company worth, you know, tens of billions of dollars. And so, um, it is quite, you know, once you do have a, uh, a special idea, once you do have, um, uh, this, this sort of extreme customer love, it's actually, you know, quite resilient to mm. any, um, incompetence. Um, uh, but, you know, um, uh, you know, these, these are fragile things, uh, equally. Yeah, no doubt. I'm thinking, yeah, when you're, as you're talking there, um, and you've got three, yeah, young children as well, three daughters, uh, don't you? I, I have, uh, I have two daughters. So the Lion King is something that pops to mind. And if you think of like this beautiful startup world, you know, where it's Pride Rock and Simba and everyone are looking out and there's this beautiful greenery, all the animals are looking. And then you've got the, the discarded, uh, startups over and where the hyenas hang out, you know, where all the bones and, and that are collected. Is there opportunity in that space? I'm just thinking like if there's, there's these beautiful and great products that have been created, but then just through the, through the fault or whatever it might be from the founders not getting along that this product's been discarded. Is there an opportunity over in that space to look at, hang on, there's a, there's a really great idea here. If we just, you know, get the right people in, in here and we can, we can make this work. Usually, usually not in the same vehicle. So not in the, Hey, this company failed. Um, and we think yeah. it's because of the people reasons and therefore bring in new people. Usually it's, it's not in that form, um, but it is in the form of, um, both uh, the idea uh, being done by different people, but also the idea being done in a different time. And so Atlassian was the 100th bug tracker, Shopify was the 100th shopping cart, Google was the 100th search engine. So there is this idea of um, uh, usually every idea is a good idea. Um, it just needs to be tried by the in the right time, in the right environment, by the uh, you know, uh, different people with unique sort of fresh takes on the idea. Um, and mm. so I would say, um, if an idea is good and, and most ideas are good, um, if an idea is good, it will be tested hundreds of times through these different, um, attempts, uh, uh, over history and, uh, eventually one will break through and one will become the defining search engine or the defining shopping cart or the defining bug tracker. Um, and so, uh, you do get that effect, but you get it through you know, these, these kind of different attempts um, uh, by different teams over different time periods. Yeah. In, in your opinion, what role does leadership play in the success of a company? It is, it is the thing. Um, I, I think uh, more, more uh, correctly, I think um, the creation of a great culture is the, the most scalable thing. Um, we talk about scalable companies and scalable, uh, you sort of, sca- you think scalable, you think software, and that's the scalable thing. Yeah. But actually culture is the scalable thing. And like, you know, it's almost, um, like what happened before we had the English language, like, or mm. what happened before we had language? Um, uh, it's sort of like nothing, a, a lot less got done because mm. a lot less cooperation happened and a lot less, um, and so it's almost this this form of language. Um, uh, culture is this this set of uh, uh, ways in which 
to encourage people to cooperate on a shared goal. And I think mm. um, that that culture is the is the sort of um, uh, long lasting effect. That is the, the the thing that keeps a mission going. That is um, the 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 amplifying effect. That is the 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 reason something kind of happens. And I think you know great leaders set that culture, um, nurture that culture, change that culture if required. Um, and, uh, that's actually the, the biggest lever or the biggest, um, uh, scalable thing someone can do is, 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 is the creation of, of, of a great culture. Mm. Oh, you're here. And thank you for bringing culture into that conversation because, you know, we, we work, uh, our service that we provide is purely with um, large organisations that have, you know, been around for a while and their culture has sort of uh, fallen by the wayside. Why is it so prevalent? In your opinion, why is it so prevalent that culture is important in the startup world, but then as these companies grow into behemoths, culture is one of those things that get forgotten about and, and you know, productivity and, and dollars. And how do we... Um, how do we introduce and and look a lot of our listener base are the sort of the C suite senior executive world in that corporate space. How do we how do we get that sort of uh, entrepreneurial spirit back into the large organisations and and reintroduce some of those um, you know re- the excitement I guess of the early days. I guess I'm a little um, uh, sort of less optimistic um, than 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 a lot of people in that in that pursuit. I think. Um, Oftentimes, uh, like to change the way something happens, um, it's better to do it outside the system than within the system. And so mm. it's, it's harder to change an existing thing than to create something from afresh. Um, I also think that, um, culture is like beauty. It's perishable. It, it, mm. it sort of fades with age. And, um, unless you sort of fight against it, um, you, you, you won't maintain it. And unless, um, and, and then, and then there's also this sort of gravitational effect of like, even as you're growing and growing, um, uh, it, it's just like the culture at Google at a hundred people, magical, the culture at Google at, you know, I don't know how many people they have now, a hundred thousand yeah. people. Um, yeah. uh, it, it's just different vintage, different, um, and, and, and sort of the beauty has faded. Uh, mm. and, and so I think you can do things to slow it down. You can do things to, um, uh, maintain your 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 beauty, but the direction is down, not um, uh, sort of uh, a hope that can be turned around um, with age. And so, uh, I think that's the unfortunate uh, mm. reality. Um, uh, that's the advantage of um, startups, you know, starting from afresh without those legacy um, uh, uh, sort of history of, of 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 why the culture is the culture um, yeah. at, at that point in time. Um, and uh, you know, the reason why startups exist the reason why startups change the world the reason um uh why you know history evolves as it has yeah uh yeah i'm probably a little bit more optimistic uh but i hear you loud and clear it is a slow moving ship uh, to get to to get back on track in in regards to why we're here and what we're trying to achieve when there is so much involved especially from a shareholder point of view and you know the stakeholder point of view and community point of view and you know the, the expectations are much higher and it, it um it is a, a much more of a slower burn I, I am very interested in uh obviously and i'm going to ask this from a personal point of view in the the clarity of a founder uh, or ceo or managing director of, of a of a 
of a startup um, that's grown and that, and has scaled, um, and p- particularly point of from the point of view of uh, those who those businesses that don't necessarily attract funding, right? So you know, a, a service business like my own, it, people aren't sitting there going, "Oh, you know, we believe in you, Daniel, as the founder. Here's you know a couple of million bucks to get yourself going." But it uh, so we're like I've never received any funding or anything like that from anyone and then grown from scratch and you know doing relatively well but the the hustle of the start at the start right where you're involved and you're doing everything and then as you grow you need to transition you know you, you start hiring the right people and you get the all of a sudden you've got some ops people in and you've got some sales people in and you start growing 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 marketing and all the above and you know fine you, your business just grows but that that's the most difficult uh, piece is that whole world like as you, you often hear as a founder or as a CEO or as a managing director you should be thinking right you should be putting time away to think you should be putting time away to strategize you should be you know your main role is to attract talent and, and keep talent and you know and so there's all this yes I know I know that I need to do all this but if I, as I'm on that growth trajectory it's really difficult um, so I'm really interested in your thought, thought process and maybe advice to those businesses who aren't attracting the, the dollars per se to help them uh, grow that quickly or quicker um, and what your advice would be and what, what should they should stick to on that growing and learning curve in the, in the early parts of, the, of their business. I, I would say you, you, so you don't need to raise capital for any of this to happen. I, mm. I think um, <clears throat> the, the chief advice would be to surround yourself with other founders who are going through a similar journey. I think, um, mm. you know, YPO or EO has uh, uh, sort of perfected uh, the, the helping people find others who have uh, are going through this journey and um, to share all the difficulties, to share the um, Accountability of what, uh, be accountable for, you know, what they said they did and what they eventually did and, and, and sort of, um, swapping notes and getting advice. And, and, and so I, I would say the number one thing is to surround yourself with, um, uh, five other people. Um, and there's even a, if you want sort of more detail and, and a more, uh, there's actually a, a fellow Blackbird, Nick Crocker, uh, wrote a blog post, uh, around called the elephants. Um, and mm-hmm. elephants is a sort of, um, name for a group of people that uh, sort of walk together through business and um, uh, some of the ways in which you can do it and meetings and how to structure them and, and, and so on and so forth. So I think um, uh, surrounding yourself with other, other founders um, and, 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 and going along the journey with them, I think that, that, that's the, that'll, that'll be the, the best input into your learning mm. and, and, and growth. And there's organizations like um, YPO and EO in a general business sense, there's, Technology focused, um, organizations like Innovation Bay have a, a program where they, um, place sort of scale up founders to, together. Um, there's, um, uh, you know, I would say within each of the venture capital firms, again, we, we all aim to nurture these groups of, um, folks that, that sort of, uh, go on the journey together and, 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 and swap their knowledge. I think that, that's the, the most prevalent, um, uh, uh, well, that's the easiest way to grow in a personalized kind of way. Um, there's also, as I said, like if you want to learn, um, you'll be curious podcasts. Um, I've just mm-hmm. learned so much about life and business through podcasts, uh, reading and reading books like poor Charlie's Almanac. And yeah. I think that dedication to reading and, and listening, um, you're going to learn, um, a whole lot as well. And having 
cultivating the desire to learn. I think that that that's the ultimate um, meta level um, uh, uh, driver. And so um, th- th- those uh, those two things are, are the key. Um, and then I, I also say that by default, people uh, think about the long term vision and they think about the next 12 months by default. Um, you're sort of like, OK, what am I? What am I doing? Why? Why am I here? How do I? What's my dream for the business? And then they also think, uh, you know, what do I have to do in the next uh, twelve months to complete a unit of progress? People uh, less often think about what they want to do in three years. Three years is like this interesting timeline of um, it's not super long term. You can actually see it and imagine mm. it, and you know, kind of flick forward on your calendar. Um, mm. It's not so short term that it's like you know, you're going into Asana and writing out. Discrete tasks. It's sort of this yeah. midway point between, um, and, and I think it gives you this um, connection between um, what you're doing today and what you're doing and, and what your dream is for the business. And I think um, that exercise and pushing yourself to always be sort of like um, imagining what you are in three years uh, is, is is a great revelation. I think um, that that not enough people do because it's not sort of default thinking like you have to think about today and this year you have to think about um longer term but you don't have to think about three years and i think three years is is this is 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 quite a magical timeline yeah great advice Uh, you 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 touched on the um the personal growth aspect of that like you know reading and listening to podcasts and it's you know as you can see by the books in the background and i and the, the obviously just the the starting of this podcast and being able to pick brains like yourself is uh, definitely been a, um, a, a, ma- a massive contributor to my success and, and growth. Uh, and I do the same, actually. Now that I think about it, I go, who, who are the, in the business world, who are some of the people that I hang around with the most? And it is those who have also started their own businesses and we just bounce ideas off and go through the pain together because <laughs> um, there's a lot more pain sometimes than what there are the wins but um pain is progress it is yes uh, that was a that was a monk quote too wasn't it no that was ray dalio a, a ray dalio quote that's it um brilliant what what importance do you place on your own personal growth and development i mean do you is there routines uh that you have in in your in your life that you place like you this i'm you know, I had a we had a CEO Jim McDowell on uh, our podcast recently, who was ex CEO of BAE Systems for ten years and um, CEO of Nova Systems now. So big in the defence place, been CEO of Department of Premier and Cabinet. So worked in some really high roles, and you know, it dedicates an hour of reading every morning and every night uh, to minimum of two hours a day. Do you do something similar? Do you? Do you have a dedication time where you put, you know, to thinking, to, to reading, to podcasting, whatever it might be? I absolutely. And, um, you know, try to sort of clean out my calendar on a regular basis. Um, but I, you know, given I have, um, three young kids, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love to wake up super early. I would say uh, since I've had kids, I just try to push myself to wake up early and early. And, you know, I wake up shortly after 5 a.m. and, and yeah. that, that, between that and, you know, uh, the, the sort of two hours or the three hours, um, that's the magical time. That's when I love to, uh, read the most. Um, got a dog and, um, there's also like walk the dog, listen to podcasts or audio books. Um, so I think sort of trying to create these, um, buckets of time, uh, mm. that, are uh, for that. And, and then like it's, it's almost like you do it, you know, uh, a few times in a row and the habit forms. And so you, 
the, the sort of uphill um, uh, battle is just that first instance of um, forming the habit. And, um, you know, I, I would uh, say uh, if you just sort of push through something, um, it might seem hard in the beginning, but as soon as you do it like seven times, then it's natural and you don't um, think about it and you automatically do it. Um, it's just uh, creating those sort of buckets of time. But I, I would say that if I, uh, I would just love to read all day. Like I would read all day and do um, nothing else but that. Um, mm. I know that once I retire, it's almost like I would retire just so I could do my day to read all day. Um, mm. And uh, uh, that I think that's, that's my hat. That's where I'm happiest. I think you have to find your life's calling and you have to find the area um, that, that you want to make a mark in. And if you do that, then actually it's quite natural to want to learn as much as you can about it. So you need to, I think, find the calling first and then um, it's, it's, it's natural. And, and then, um, you know, again, I, I, I just love learning and love um, yeah. uh, reading and listening and so on. So I would do it all day. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, probably, I'm very much in the same boat. You you mentioned the three kids and waking up earlier, and um, I know I know that feeling all too well as well. Uh, and and how to prioritize and prioritizing time and and um how to actually be successful in business and yet um be successful as a father or a parent. Um. So there's a question that I often ask, you know, and I'm really interested to hear your your thoughts. You know, is how do we actually realize our visions whilst cultivating loving and fulfilling relationships, right? Like it is, um, and I know, yeah, for me it's just a it's a constant battle, uh, and I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, uh, it, it's 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 tough, but I would say. Um, also, at least personally, I don't work like uh, that hard. Like I, I finish mm -hmm. at 4.30 every day. Um, mm -hmm. You know, some of the days I'll pick the kids up from school. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and just having that hard boundary is actually, you know, I would say before I had kids, I would like hang around and, you know, you'd work late. and uh, But having this sort of forced, okay, the day finishes here and um, you better get everything done. Otherwise, you know, um, the day finishes here, uh, yeah. the productivity increase, like I 10 times as much. And, and also like it gets you to prioritize. It gets you to focus. It gets you to say, is this really important? It gets you to um, really sort of zoom in. And, and, uh, and so that, um, and then I think, you know, like I'm, I'm, uh, I used to go to a bunch of events. I don't go to any events at night. I don't, um, uh, so you have to sort of delete um, these valuable, good things, but, you know, uh, let go of and, and, and prioritize the right, you know, I believe the right things of, um, you want to spend as much time with your kids as possible in the magical years of their, uh, development. And so you, you just have to make deliberate, um, uh, decisions in favor of family over, um, business. Uh, but, um, I would say on the whole, um, having the constraint of absolutely not going to, uh, uh, go over that line of, um, you know, 4.30 for me, uh, mm. then, you actually get a lot more done um, if you yeah. have the line versus if you're sort of like younger and you're hanging out and you go, you know, office and seven o'clock or seven thirty, you might go home, yeah. but you know, you didn't actually do anything more than someone else who finished it. You know, does that does that fly in the face of what the uh, I guess the entrepreneurial startup world 
recommends, right? Like, you know, burning the midnight oil and doing this. And is does that, <laughs> yeah. how do you, well, how do you, yeah. the other asterisk is that venture capital, venture capital is a opulent um, or luxurious business where it, it's not the hours you work, it's the quality of decisions. And there's usually like one yeah. or two decisions a year that you make that determine your, um, 80 or 90% of your success. And so, mm. um, uh, it is a job that allows that. Um, I think from a founder point of view, it's, um, there are no, um, there is no escaping the, the, you don't have those choices almost in the beginning. Um, everything is on your shoulders. If nothing happens, if you don't do anything, nothing happens. And so I think, um, from, from some point of view, um, it, it's, it's, a, well, it's a hundred times harder as a founder mm. than it is as, as an investor. Um, mm. uh, but I think some, all of those principles still apply where, um, I think the, the, the problem, uh, the, the main problem of a founder is there are so many things you could do. Um, 99% of them are marginally good. Mm. Like 1% of them are actual, you know, game changers. Mm. And so I've seen a lot of founders in the beginning, they get trapped in, in this 99% of things that are not bad. Um, so they're, they're definitely not negative. But they're so mildly positive that it's it, it's it's not really going to make a difference. Um, and so uh, I think in as a founder, it's it's identifying the one percent of activities and decisions and and so on um, that will determine your success or not. And ruthlessly prioritizing and ruthlessly deleting. And um, I mean, so much of startups is theatrical and people are focused on the wrong things and talking to big companies and partnerships and media and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter um, to the success. What matters is, you know, product and happy customers. Um, so I would say as a founder, um, uh, as a parent and a founder, um, it, it forces you to identify the 1% versus the 99%. Mm. And I think, you know, the, the, the key message or advice I always give is like, yes, it's a positive thing but it's so mildly positive and just don't bother doing it um and now again it's not don't bother doing it ever it's just don't bother doing it now yeah prioritize the i think i i hear you loud and clear and it's definitely uh i think there's a learned skill right it's a learned skill to be able to get to the point of of prioritization and not only that sometimes you've you got budget constraints it's like if i don't do it then no one else would be able to do it so you know and this is the hence the reason um, founders, I believe, uh, work all like the job just doesn't stop. I mean, even when you're sleeping, you're thinking and you're dreaming about what, what needs to be done. I am conscious of, of time and I just want to sort of, um, ask a couple of questions in regards to Blackboard Bird. And, and, you know, you've got this really, um, really amazing view of becoming one of the biggest VC funds in the world, which, you know, uh, kudos and I, I hope absolutely going to watch with uh with with um with some passion in my eyes and hope that you guys get there does that does that mean that you're because primarily you invest in australia and new zealand companies does that mean that you're going to look elsewhere or are you going to try to stick with that and really try to grow the australian landscape further it's um it's growing the landscape and 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 creating this wonderful environment in Australia, New Zealand to produce these generational companies and these um, uh, sort of wonderful success stories. Um, I think people, it, it sounds like an unlikely statement. How could we build the world's best VC firm uh, from Australia and New Zealand? Um, but it's not unlikely from the point of view of 
where do so venture capital is all about generational companies these outliers that um, account for the majority of returns um, and where do those outlier companies come from well they used to come from silicon valley but they now they do not come from silicon valley if you look at the sort of 100 billion dollar type companies spotify from sweden shopify from canada atlassian from australia um, they come from outside of silicon valley outside of america and so could we um, sort of, with the Olymp- Olympic analogy, create more gold medal winning companies? Um, can Australia and New Zealand rise up the gold medal winning counts um, of the business Olympics? And I think focusing on creating this environment, focusing on creating um, uh, better ecosystems and better uh, communities and better landscapes, um, uh, we have a chance of doing that. And, and if the Australian and New Zealand win more gold medals, then by definition, Blackbird um, will be the best becomes, um, yeah. venture capital firm if we're able to, again, partner with those generational companies right from the beginning. Um, so I think that's the pathway to becoming um, the best in the world um, mm-hmm. is through, you know, the gold medal winning companies of Australia and New Zealand. How do you find this talent or do they come knocking on your door? Uh, yes and yes, um, but that is the challenge of the business. And I think as mm-hmm. the ecosystem succeeds, in the beginning, we could meet a hundred people a year um, and meet the whole ecosystem. Now we need to meet, you know, a thousand people a year, uh, mm. and soon we'll need to meet ten thousand people a year. So um, that's the that's the challenge um, for growing Blackbird and 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 uh, creating um, uh, the programs and products and team and so on to enable us to meet every single founder right at the beginning and to make a good decision as to whether to invest in their um, very first round of capital or, or not. So that. That's the interesting business challenge. Um, that's the thing that will change um, uh, this year versus a decade ago. That's the thing that's going to change a decade from now um, versus what it is today. And so that's that's what keeps me coming to work every day um, in solving that yeah. challenge and, 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 and being ultra competitive as to uh, Blackbird being an investor in every single one of those new generational companies um, is, is, is the thrill of the chase. Yeah. So purpose aside, right? I don't know that you're passionate about growing the the state of uh, of startup and growth and co- of companies in in Australia and New Zealand. But you've obviously had some really great investments with the, the Canvas and the culture ants and the safety cultures and all the above. Um, not to mention, you know, many other successful uh, businesses that you've invested in also. But with those three, you're probably earning a pretty good quid on the side, right? Like, is there any reason, like, you're just not sort of putting your feet up on the table right now and going, yep, I've uh, I've made some good decisions and I'm going to go and read my books every single day? I don't I don't think that's the satisfaction. I, I think yeah. the the adrenaline comes from the uh, the change in the scoreboard, not the scoreboard. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, I think, uh, like, the satisfaction of the job comes from seeing people go from nobody to somebody, you know, mm. the seeing yeah. the companies go from nothing to something um, and, and watching those stories unfold, watching the, the, the founders of those companies grow uh, into great leaders, uh, watching people uh, start their careers at Blackbird and to develop uh, within the team and within um, Blackbird. Those are the joys of the, the, the business and, and, the, and, and the satisfaction of um, the job uh, rather than, specific endpoint or specific um, dollars or, or whatever. I think it's the um, seeing people uh, succeed is just, just like as, as, as a parent, the, the, the joy of it is the pride you see in the, in their development and in their own 
journeys and their own unique um, uh, 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 sort of successes and, and, and who they become. Um, I think that's the that's the joy of the the investment businesses. As yeah, well. it's the opportunity to give, right? Give back and um, not and even see. give, just to, to be so proud to be to, to, yeah. to watch them succeed. It's it's uh, it's just yeah. the best. Yeah, I'm going to ask probably what is might be perceived as a naive question, but I'm going to ask it. Uh, the original investment into Canva, for example, was two hundred fifty thousand. Right, and and, you, and you've seen that grow, and they've obviously done. And then obviously you go back, you reinvest, you reinvest, you reinvest. Obviously, a, a company like Canva right now is at a point where it can generate the income that it needs. Is, am, am I correct in saying that? Because I know that you're still looking at investing. I read somewhere recently you invest another two hundred odd million, and and why do they need more investment if they're so successful? I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I can't join the dots there. They, they don't need, um, yeah. uh, they might want, um, so yeah. th- 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 there's that difference. Um, and okay. there's also, I think, as a company um, succeeds from a don't need capital point of view, um, there's still a function around, um, you know, there's a role of secondary, you know, the, mo- most of the stock market is basically someone buying shares from someone else. It's not yeah, going yeah. to the company um, and, yeah. and, and going to the company's needs in terms of the balance sheet. So there's obviously... That function, um, as, as a company matures, there's also um, uh, the current version of the company. Um, uh, but you might want to acquire other companies. Canva has quite successfully acquired a number of different businesses, and that's another reason to um, add capital to the balance sheet, just so that you can acquire um, other like-minded and, and adjacent businesses to okay. help you achieve again that ever-expanding product roadmap um, uh, and, and so on. Sometimes you want to. Um, uh, just because you can be profitable doesn't mean you you will be pro- like you don't want to be profitable. Um, uh, in terms of um, maybe there's a unique time in history where there's um, just a chance to grasp an opportunity or to um, take advantage of a, a, a situation where fine you know be loss making this year and you know a couple hundred million whatever it might be. But again, if you don't do that and it's a one off event, then you're profitable the next year. So it, it, it's 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 less of a um, it's sort of like there's 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 two, um, I would say motivators uh, or, or or two sort of reasons. Um, uh, in the beginning, um, people are negatively motivated. They're like, oh my god, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. You need to raise capital not to die. Um, but once it's clear that you've um, uh, created something special, that you've tapped into an uh, a sort of vein of opportunity, um, then you have to be positively motivated. You have to be mm. motivated by I want to. I want to make as much uh, the biggest impact as possible. I want to uh, grasp the full opportunity. I want to um, become the grandest vi- version of this um, uh, uh, sort of vision. And so I think um, you know, Canvas way past the uh, oh no, I need to raise capital because I might. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid of dying. And 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 is in you know, Canva more than any. I would say there's three generational companies to come from Australia so far. Atlassian, Afterpay, and Canva. Canva out of those three has the most chance to uh, reach the levels of a Apple or a Microsoft or a Google where mm. you have, you know, a billion people plus using the platform to create a truly, truly special company that um, has this worldwide impact and has this um, incredible, you know, horizontal market opportunity of um, design is ingrained in every, you know, piece of communication and every um, mm. facet of um, people's working lives. And so, I think um, it, it's not a 
it's certainly not um, likely, but it has the most chance of of reaching that level of um, kind of business stardom. And 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 I think that's um, for for Canva. Um, uh, the dream is to be on on that level of um, impact and on that level of um, achievement. And um, there's plenty of reasons to um, uh, use capital to to help you get to that end destination. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it- Last question before we jump into, or actually second to last question before we jump into uh, the quick fire questions to round off the podcast. What, uh, paint, paint a picture for us if you can. So thinking of the Australian startup scene um, in 10 to 20 years time, what does it look like? Is it, is it across Australia? Is it like a Silicon Valley in one area? What, what does it look like for you in your, in your eyes? I think it's more the the impact of um, the majority of all Australians Australia's most valuable companies are technology companies. Um, those lighthouse companies have uh, uh, played a role in whether it's the founders investing or the employees of those companies starting new companies or uh, joining new fresh startups that are the heroes of the next generation. Um, this sort of lighthouse produces more lighthouses in the next generation. And in 10 or 20 years, we'll have the chance for, you know, three or four of those waves. So you might have uh, uh, sort of three to five lighthouse companies now, but you in, in, in 10 or 20 years, you might have 30 to 50 lighthouse companies. Mm-hmm. And um, you might have millions of people working um, uh, in, in technology startups and technology companies. You might have, um, I think, Australia as a destination of, of, of people building companies and joining great um, startups, like hundreds of people have moved their lives from all around the world to Australia to work for Canva. And I think, you know, if you multiply that by a thousand, that means that, you know, there's a million or 2 million new Australian um, uh, uh, folks who have, who've moved you know, of the smartest people in the world who've moved their lives um, uh, to live in Australia and to help um, those, those companies, uh, the vision come true. And so, to me, um, it, it's at a much more massive scale, you know, 10 to maybe even 100x. Um, it's all the companies. Uh, uh, it's not banks and mining companies. It's all technology companies that are uh, the dominant um, uh, uh, sort of uh, leaders of our business community. And um, uh, that that will be the, the version of success. Actually, I'm going to chuck in another question there because it's brought this up in my head is if I am an investor, how do I get involved? If, I, if that's what the landscape's going to look like, then I'm going to want to invest some way, shape or form. What do I need to do? Yeah, uh, well, um, in many ways, uh, you are or the listeners are in terms of the major source of capital for all Australian venture capital is industry superannuation funds, which is mm-hmm. Um, uh, the millions of um, uh, Australians' retirement savings and obviously a small portion going into the system to nurture the, the whole ecosystem. So I would posit a guess that um, uh, everyone is already exposed to, to it yeah. in, a, in, in obviously a smaller way. Um, I think if you're um, uh, with someone like Host Plus, who's a particular pioneer of um, uh, uh, investing in many different uh, venture capital firms in Australia and has played such a leadership role in the industry and now um, uh, a whole host of other funds um, uh, joining in support and and and, and again um, from Aussie Super to Aware Super to uh, Hester to um, uh, all of these um, uh, industry super funds um, have nurtured the Australian venture capital industry so 
I would say by default, everyone probably has exposure. Yeah. In terms of more exposure, and you know, I think soon these companies will go public, and um, just like uh, uh, sort of these generational companies, um, going public is the beginning, not the end. For many mm. companies, um, going public is the end, and and they don't succeed. But um, for those very special generation company generation companies, the IPO is the beginning rather than the end. Mm. You want to own Canva in its second and third decade as much as you want to own it in its um first decade and so i think people will be given the chance to um for those generational companies i think it was sad that afterpay disappeared from the um the, the public markets from a um you know 10 or 20 year point of view i can understand the one year point of view of um selling when the times were good but um from a 10 or 20 year point of view i think it's a, a sad fact that they um uh sold um and then in terms of venture it's tough because um over the the view of the government um, that a sophisticated investor equals a rich person, which having known and got to know a lot of uh, rich people, I can say that there is zero correlation between um, sophisticated person and rich person. Um, mm. uh, there is no concept of um, demonstrating knowledge um, uh, of, or demonstrating your sophistication being the determinant. It's, it's sort of, can, can you, um, do you have enough money to lose basically um uh, from a regulatory um, point of mm. view. And so I think um, instead of, and, and also financial education in general is like so horrible. It's like, you know, why why do all of these uh, sort of uh, schemes um, uh, that, you know, take, uh, lose all this money and, in this horrible way, why do they keep happening? And it's, it's, it's not like you're always going to have the, the, the sort of um, uh, scoundrels of the world uh, uh, forming them, but the, the vaccination against them is education. It's like mm. what, like when you hear about these stories of like, oh, I'm a retiree and I put 100% of my life savings into some crypto company or some, uh, uh, you know, Dunk Island um, in real estate investment. It's like that 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 is sad, but it is um, also just sadder that that's that person made the decision to invest 100% of their wealth in in, in something that was clearly, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a scam investment or whatever you want to call it. And so yeah. I think um, to me, uh, it's almost like that vein of education, everything we should move towards um, uh, around demonstrating financial, it's not financial literacy, it's almost like financial psychology and, and um, uh, uh, more people know about that, more people can demonstrate that, make, you know, the sophistication test on whether you are sophisticated rather than the sophistication test on whether you have um, money or not. So unfortunately, you know, um, the venture capital funds can only accept um, money from this wholesale investor um, mm. definition, um, which again, I feel um, uneasy about because um, uh, it, it doesn't seem to allow um, everyone to get a healthy sort of yeah. participation from the, from the beginning. Yeah, yep. It's targeted towards uh, certain certain issue. The rich get richer, isn't that the? <laughs> yeah. Although, as I said, the vast vast majority of capital is superannuation yeah. funds, and that yeah, um, ultimately is every single Australian doing, so, doing um, good for you know it, it, it is um you know by by dollar value it is uh, that so that that yeah. that is that is heartening. Last question before we jump into the quick fire: What does the future look like for you, Nikki? What what are you? Yeah, I think we sort of pasted the 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 vision of of Australia yeah. and New Zealand and and those gold medal winning companies and 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 so on. That that that's that's the dream. That's where you want to be. I love it. 
Okay, quick fire questions. Uh, these are quite random, so um, and we can elaborate as much as we want to on them. But first and foremost, I know you're a big reader. What are you reading right now? Uh, there is. Uh, what am I reading right now? Um, I'm reading like a hundred different Substack newsletters. I've sort of discovered um, a bunch of interesting writers uh, through that. Um, uh, and there's one actually. Uh, I think insecurity analysis is what it's called. It's written by a German guy um, in the finance industry, and he's sort of taken this kind of historical view of mapping out the the investment careers of these icons like Stanley Druckenmiller. And, and, um, I particularly, as soon as I see that in my inbox, you know, um, gravitate towards, uh, to reading it. So, um, yeah, would recommend right. that one. So who was that? So what was that again? Uh, I think it's called insecurity analysis. Uh, insecurity um, analysis. All right. We'll put it in the show notes. Beautiful. Uh, outside of, uh, Charlie Munger's poor Charlie's almanac, what is one book that you just feel stands out from the crowd in, re- in regards to, um, in regards to founders and startups, or what book should they look at reading, or what's one book that you've gifted the most outside of Poor Charlie's? Because we know that we've plugged that a few times. The single um, work, uh, defining work on startup investing and and uh, how venture capital works is Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel, oh, yeah. you know, you can uh, comment on all of his personal views and so on, and um, uh, he is an iconic um, mind and I think uh, has contributed um, the most to understanding the psychology and um, the dynamics and the, the, the sort of important qualities of um, how, again, almost applying that what makes a high quality business from a Buffett Munger point of view to, um, to, to a startup technology company um, point of view. So zero to one is um, probably my second most gifted book. Yeah, brilliant book, brilliant book. It was one of the first ever books I got on my Kindle, actually, when I um. Yep. When I, uh, what about podcasts? Is there any other podcasts that you listen to that you feel, other than this one, of course? I mean, <laughs> is there any uh, other podcasts you listen to? Best one I would say is in, invest like the best. Um, uh, is is sort of the best investment um uh, podcast I've come across, and I just absolutely love it. Uh, and um, as a sort of uh, more recent uh, uh, sort of riser. Um, there's the All In podcast with Jason Calacanis and David Sachs and Chamath, and um, they've got, you get these great guests like Brad Gerstner and Bill Gurley. And um, I've been enjoying um, uh, that one lately as well. Would be, um, but but in terms of longevity and um, absolute favorite over many many years, invest like the best. Invest like the best. I love it. Check it out. Uh, What's one lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? The longest to learn. Um, I immediately sort of thought of the hungry, not the proven. Um, mm. It's this, this sort of worldview as to how things work and the university version of it and just mm. it's not how the world works. Um, and the change comes from outsiders and insiders, the the change comes from unlikely and un- unqualified and inverted commas people. And, and I think that that is just a lesson that is hammered home every single day for me. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I do love that. If you could invite three people for dinner, who would they be? And, and I'm going, well, to going assume... back to the books. Yep. Uh, yeah. Charlie Munger, uh, Peter Thiel, 
and Benjamin Franklin. Oh, Benjamin Franklin. I'm Such an interesting that. person. Yeah, he was. I think I've got his book up there. I'm trying to look in one thing. Yeah, one of his uh, Ashley Vance. No, not Ashley. Is it Ashley Vance? No. Um, oh, who who wrote Steve Jobs' book again? Yeah, yeah, Walter. Uh, Walter, um, Walter Isaacs, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he wrote the yeah the book on Benjamin Franklin. It was an absolute ripper. Um, Ashley Vance was Elon Musk. Sorry, I went off. Yeah, uh, actually, off. any anyone who Walter, I think Walter Isaacson is writing a book about Elon Musk. Um, oh, is he uh, at the moment? Uh, oh, yeah, that'd so, be so any anyone that Walter Isaacson uh, writes a book about, I would love to have dinner with. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. There's there's been a few. Steve Jobs. Yeah, Steve exactly. Jobs. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, there's an Einstein one I can see in the background as well. Which is <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got all of his books. I, I love it. Um, what's some of the best advice that you've ever received? Just do it. Like, um, I think people tend to overthink things and um, mm. be put off by the embarrassment um, of it not working or, or, or the fear of it not being perfect. Um, and I think just, um, just do it often is the, you know, best, uh, <laughs> best advice. Yeah. Brilliant. If you had access to a time machine, where would you go? I think the future, not the past. I think the future is, yes. I mean, the world is getting better, um, yeah. with, with time. And, um, it's, it's just remarkable. Again, sort of like the standard of living, um, of every single person in the world and wherever they are is, is probably 99% better, like 99% more likely to be better than, um, uh, uh, all of the most, um, you know, decorated and wealthy and whatever people 500 years ago so um, yeah the world's getting better so i'd naturally want to Look, go into the you're future. in you're in the investing game right if you're not going forward there's a problem yeah <laughs> exactly like, we've all seen back to the future in the almanac <laughs> so <laughs> you want to go pick the winners and then bring them yeah, back yeah, and invest yeah. in although them. usually hollywood, <laughs> hollywood always has a dystopian version of the future but i, that, I think that, um, i'm much more optimistic that is true that is true if your house was on fire and your family and pets were all saved and, and, and well, what is one the one item that you would run back and grab? I think it's my phone. Um, actually, yeah. it, it's not even – it doesn't even matter anymore. Like I used to yeah. worry so much about losing photos um, and, and, and so on, but now, you know, you don't have that anxiety with uh, the, the, cloud the cloud or anything yeah. like that. So um, no anxiety. I, I, I don't think I'd even need to run back. The family is safe. That's all I care about. If you had one superhero power, what would it be? Hmm. Uh, don't know. Uh, calmness, I think, uh, in, in the face oh, wow. of uh, chaos. Very good. Very good. I like that. Calmness comes with experience too, doesn't it? Uh, and last question, my favourite, uh, my favourite one of all, and uh, we we did tell you you should prepare for this one. What's your best dad joke? <laughs> I, I still don't have one. I know you said to prepare for it. I don't know. I've been racking my brain, and uh, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I still can't think of one. Oh no, we're gonna have to miss it. That's all right. Yeah. Not a not a problem at all. Thank you so much for your time today, and, and thank um, you. And thank you very much for just your contribution and, and where you are going and what you're doing um, in the Australian startup scene. It's it's very, very exciting. You're giving life to companies that might not have otherwise had it. So uh, and, and, 
being able to sit back and watch and grow must be very, very fulfilling. And, and I think from, from the rest of us, thank you, because it's going to really change the landscape of where we are from an Australian point of view in comparison to the next rest of the world and create jobs and do all the, all the, all the great stuff that um, can really, uh, really grow the future and, um, and prosperity and, and help Australia flourish. So thank you to you and, and the team at Blackbird. Well, thank you. And, and just getting started. Excellent. Sounds great. All right, guys, take care. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the podcast all. You can check out the show notes if there was anything of interest to you and find out more about us at synergyiq.com.au. I am going to ask though, if you did like the podcast, it would absolutely mean the world to me if you could subscribe, rate and review. And if you didn't like it, that's all right too. There's no need to do anything. Take care guys. All the best. Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump on to the Synergy IQ Facebook and LinkedIn page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.